0: and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I'm your host Jeff Nimnik. Great to be back on the mic with you guys. Really appreciate you tuning in for another episode. Gonna be a good one. I have Mr. Tim No, who is the owner of Lucky Duck on this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of Lucky Duck and how they got their start in the predator world. We're going to take a look at uh, kind of what it takes to bring an e-call to the market from start to finish. Um we're going to take a look at uh, the lineup of predator calls that they offer. Maybe you're looking to buy a new e-call this fall and maybe are a little bit overwhelmed with the choices out there. Uh, we're going to run through every call that they do offer, kind of tell you about them and, and all the features and benefits and price points and things like that. So hopefully you can make a little bit more of an informed decision uh, if you are looking to purchase an e-call. And then maybe at the end we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about where the future of e-calls May take us. But before we get into all that, need to take a minute to tell you a little bit about Hornady ammunition. Now, if you followed this podcast or if you've followed the Last Stand video series, you've heard me rave about the 53 grain VMAX that I run out of my 223 um, AR 15s. But I really want to tell you a little bit about the shotgun ammunition that Hornady makes that I run. And these are the three inch nickel plated BB rounds. Now, this load has a versatile wad, so you don't have to have a, a special aftermarket choke tube to really shoot tight patterns. I run these out of my Benelli Super Black Eagle 2 and when I did some testing, I found out just the factory improved modified choke gave me the best patterns out to that 35-40 yard range, which in all reality that's really what I'm looking for when it comes to shotgunning coyotes um, is something that's going to deliver me, you know, fairly dense tight patterns out to that 35-40 yard range. Um, you know, it is impressive when you hear about guys that that do kill coyotes out you know, 60, 70, 80 yards with some of these, you know, more specialized shotgun loads. Um, But honestly, in my opinion, those are more what I would consider rifle shots. Um, When I'm running a shotgun, it's usually in tighter cover where the coyotes are on you fast. They're usually right at the call, kind of skirting past on a dead run. Um, I just want something that's going to consistently knock down coyotes, um, you know, in that 30, 40-yard range um, and not break the bank. You know, the great thing about these Hornady nickel-plated BB rounds, you know, I think you're going to spend maybe... $14, $15 14 15 bucks tops for a box of 10 um, which is pretty economical when it comes to, to shooting shotguns. Because, you know, a lot of times when you do shoot them, you know, you're shooting them two, three times sometimes. Um, so they can get expensive real fast, um, but, uh, you know, these these Hornady rounds won't break the bank. So if you're interested in looking into a new shotgun round, um, you can find more information at Hornady.com. Well, Mr. Tim no, welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You know, I'm sure you're probably going through a draws right now, right? The duck season has been over for what a month now.
1: Yeah. Down South, the duck season has been over and most other hunting stuff's winding up. So it's, there's a lull here for a little bit, right?
0: It is. It is a lot of guys, you know, try to fill it with predator hunting, but it doesn't always work so great this time of year, but luckily Turkey season is right around the corner. huh? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> did you i never you know you and i've talked quite a bit over the winter and stuff did you ever get a chance to even hunt coyotes this winter
1: this winter i never got out once for coyotes which i was totally disappointed in because that's we usually try to do a couple hunts together and or at least one each year and um it's always a highlight but it didn't happen this year unfortunately
0: well, I know last year wasn't quite the highlight, you know. You guys did make, the, <laughs> you guys made the trip out last last year. And what was it was about this time? What about the first part of March? I think it was this first week of March. Yeah. Yeah, man. We and we boy, it was like nicest weather you could possibly ever have, like seventies. Coyotes were just not wanting to respond. And I think we barely scratched out a couple coyotes in a couple of days. So that was not the the greatest hunt, but that is coyote hunting no, that's... for sure.
1: Yeah, late season coyote hunting, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, around here, you know, you get yeah, you'll go from seventies one day to, you know, snow like we have today and twelve degrees. You know, it's just spring weather, man. You never know. Yep. Well, let's jump into this. You know, I I thought it would be cool. You know, when you and I talked earlier, just to kind of talk a little bit about you know the history of Lucky Duck. I mean, you know, Lucky Ducks, you know, essentially becoming a household name in the predator world now. You know, if if you're if you've hunted coyotes any amount of time, you've probably heard of Lucky Duck Predator Calls at this point. Um, but a lot of people don't know the background to that and kind of how Lucky Duck got started. How Lucky Duck got started into the into the predator world. You know, Lucky Duck's involvement with Rick Paulette. You know, the Sound Library and things like that. So it'd be fun to kind of go through and and talk about this kind of stuff and, and give everybody a good idea of uh, you know what Lucky Duck's all about.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you know, we. So- yeah. So let's start. Yeah. A little kind of give us a little background and history on uh, on, on Lucky Duck.
1: Sure. You know, we got started. Um, Lucky Duck was started back in 1995 um, by another gentleman. And uh, it actually was under the name Expedite International. Um, went through a couple different brand names in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, um, but it was primarily a waterfall. Company um, with the uh, spinning wing decoys and other motion, electronic motion um, decoys for waterfall hunting, and then um, oh, in the late two thousand, you know, eight two thousand ten, that that time period, um, there started to be some uh, electronic electronic predator call uh, products that came out, pretty basic ones, uh, and some decoys like the Quiver Critter. Um, that's how uh edge by expedite at the time got its toes in the in the predator world um and then we you know fast forward and get into the oh 2012 13 14 we started um seeing that push in the predator world of uh, electronic calls you know, needing to become more robust and more uh, more sophisticated right like the oh yeah. Uh, the popularity of predator hunting really was starting to pick up and given the um, the history we have in the electronic uh, world and on the waterfall side you know it was a, a an easy transition to kind of take that knowledge and apply it to predator hunting products um, and so we started uh, through a mutual friend we're introduced to Rick Paulette, and um, you know Rick's obviously one of the long-time predator hunting you know, professionals, uh, experts, if you will, in the field. That's and true. Rick and I kind of hit it off together. Um, and it, it, you know, we just sat down and said, hey, let's, let's start thinking about how can we make um, some really good predator calls. Uh, and that was, that was kind of the start of it. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you, we kind of met you uh, pretty you know, shortly after that. And you kind of you probably remember that I think edges edge by expedite first predator call was um, like the cat attack. Remember he that?
0: Had, that I, you know, that husband, skull? I, I still I still I had I had Rick autograph one just for the hell of it. You know, I thought this is going to be great. Someday I'm going to have a cool little, you know, office or something, you know so I actually have one still in the box and Rick autographed it with one of those marker pens, you know? <laughs> and it, yeah, it was crazy. I, I show that to Rick every now and then I'll send him a picture and be like, Hey, we've come a long way, man. You know? And it's like, yeah. Cause it's this molded. If If nobody ever saw it, I got to explain it because it's like this. If you took a replica of like a mountain lion skull and molded it out of plastic with the mouth wide open with the teeth and everything. And then you stuck a speaker inside the mouth, <laughs> you know, and, and then it had a little remote, if I remember right, you know, yep. that was kind of the first, the very first thing, you know, cause Rick's always kind of off edge a little bit like that. You know, he always wants something a little, a little off center, you know, that not everybody's going to do. And that definitely, <laughs> that definitely hit the spot with that sucker.
1: Yeah. That, 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 uh, that product was, it's probably, it, it worked obviously, but it was, it's definitely a cool, I could see that being a super cool uh piece in an office or a house just something different right like yeah, what is yeah. that
0: a <laughs> <laughs> piece of coyote hunting history right there you know <laughs> that's right <laughs> um, so yeah before but even- we get into that, yeah so so let's let's back up a little bit early on you know when you guys were just dealing in the in the decoy side of things you know what was the market like at that point you know and this was probably what the early 2000s mid 2000s when you were just kind of with edge expedite kind of working with the decoys more, more or less. Yep. Was there yep, a huge demand? Was... I mean, it seems to me like maybe it seemed to make like the demand would have, would have been a little bit more back then just because there, there weren't as many sophisticated e-calls with built-in decoys. There were still a lot more guys probably using hand calls and things like that. So, you know, standalone decoys might've been a little bit more relevant. Was it, was do you think that was the case back then or or not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the standalone um electronic decoys for predator hunting were it was it was really popular in in that time period and into the early 2000 or 2000 you know 10 15 or yeah 2010 2012 from that mid2000s to about 2012 it was super popular um, and to your point you know a lot of people were using hand using hand calls um, and the um, uh, decoys electronic decoys was you know a, kind of a staple in everybody's arsenal where it just could you know, take some attention off the, or away from the hunter, right? Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we sold a boatload of, of decoys that time period. And, and that's changed now over, um, you know, since then, it's become much more of an electronic call market versus a decoy market. You still sell decoys for sure uh, for predator hunting, but um, not to the extent that it was.
0: Now that, um, you know, one of the very probably the second time I ever hunted with Rick, we were using, I believe I'm. T- it was the, it, it looked like a rabbit and it was on about a, it was a, a, a cylinder, maybe three inches in diameter and it kind of stuck up in the air about 10 inches and it had the built-in little squeaker speaker in it. Yep. That was our was screaming the, Joker. Screaming Joker. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of how it went. So, so kind of sh- to show the progression here, you know, start off with, with decoys and then there was kind of, okay, let's, let's. Let's build a decoy with sound essentially. Right. I mean, that's what that screaming Joker was. Yep. You know, for, for, for predator hunters, the, you know, the bad, I guess the downside to blowing a hand call is all the focus is on you. The sounds coming from you. um, The coyotes are looking at you and the idea of the screaming Joker was okay. We can still have this, this decoy out there, but it had this little mouse squeaker speaker built into it. So as soon as the coyote came in, you could just stop blowing the hand call and the the little screaming joker would be moving and it would be squeaking so you had both the sound and the motion coming from the same spot um and i remember killing a triple with rick um you know we always called it the sandstone triple there was this big sandstone built wall kind of off to the side you know and uh i actually think that video is actually on my youtube page (laughs) when uh uh that happened you know but the one coyote comes right up to the dang screaming joker you know it was pretty cool pretty cool stand
1: that was uh one of my favorite products that we made, you know, before we really got into the e-collar um, area, but that, it was a super effective product. And the, um, the amount of fur that was on that uh, decoy and collar, it was, a, it was a big object. So you could, I mean, you could easily see it from a long ways away. I think it was a really effective product.
0: Yeah. Well, that's always key. I think in, in any kind of decoy, it's got to have some sort of movement. I mean, just a stationary thing that's not moving or it's small yeah you're right the coyotes just don't see it they're they're too in tune to the sound but you know or, or looking for something else you know so yeah they're definitely a huge huge part of it so the first time the first time you hunted with rick i'm curious to see how you know i am just curious the, the first time you ever met up with rick did you guys go coyote hunting
1: you know thinking back um that was a while ago and i believe we did it was down i went to met him at his house in kansas um and we went out and just then, you know, then his, a lot of his property he has out there access oh, yeah. to. Um, and I just remember sitting um, sitting with him and another gentleman, uh, Sparky, and uh, Sparky Sparks, We anybody knows oh, yeah.
0: him. Yeah, yeah, from the M2D Camo.
1: Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. he actually introduced us. Um, and I remember sitting on the, uh, it, it might have been the first time or the second time, but we were sitting in Kansas up along a, um, uh, an old fence line um, barbed wire fence line and sitting against posts and um i think we it was either single or double we called in on one of the first stands and i just remember watching rick and how like how much he was i mean we all like hunting but like he's so so in tune to it of of just it's his like i mean he lives for it right and breathes yeah. it it's, it's such a part of of him and it just watching him i was amazed at 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 just how um how much he was obviously he was good at it but just how he was so into it and his thought process and just his thinking like it was a really cool experience
0: did you kill any of the coyotes that came in on that stand of course (laughs) (laughs) he didn't he didn't have you sitting there with a shotgun did he he probably did. He probably said, Oh, I got these damn duck hunters with me. I'm going to sit them there with a shotgun, you know.
1: <laughs> this guy is way better on a on a shotgun than a long range.
0: Now, was that the first time you'd ever, the first time you ever coyote hunted? Was it with Rick? Or that was the you ever first done time it? I, you ever done it before.
1: It's the first time I ever seriously coyote hunted, like four coyotes was with Rick. Yep. I mean, there's been deer hunting times and stuff like that where you see something run in, but not where you're specifically targeting them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: you know and i've told i've told the story you know a handful of times at least on this i don't remember exactly what episode and rick and i were discussing kind of how i got involved with you guys you know down the road um you know it was kind of the same kind of deal you'd you'd went out to rick's and and we'd set up this writer's hunt and i was a essentially a writer for Predator extreme at the time and i was the closest one that uh could make it out so you know here i go to kansas and meet up with you guys for the first time and i always tell everybody it was kind of funny because. Here I was, you know, I was pretty successful at coyotes at that time, you know, but i essentially got to go on a guided coyote hunt, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) You know, Rick was doing all the calling and you didn't really care about shooting anything. You were wanting me to have a good time. And I just got to sit back and shoot coyotes, man. It was pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) It was like a good change of pace for you, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm like, what? I don't have to run the call. I can just sit here and shoot, man. This is sweet.
1: (laughs) But I tell you, it is it is really, I'm, I'm super fortunate, right? Like to be able to hunt with guys like you and Rick and people that are, that are experts in that field, like, and how, how you guys go about the process of coyote hunting is, is just super interesting to me. And the detail level of detail that goes into it. Um, I, it you know, I think a lot of people look back and think, well, oh, you go out there and put a call out there and you play a rabbit sound and you wait like there's you know there's way more to it than that
0: oh for sure yeah Yeah, i mean a lot of guys will do um you know a lot of guys do take it that i guess not to that level of seriousness which is not much you know they do think it is that easy you know and you know those are the guys that i think you know real quick say wow you know um if, if I want to get a little more serious, since I, I do have to pay attention to detail, you know, all, I mean, there's always so many variables involved and factors involved every time you sit down and it's constantly changing. And um, yeah, it's, it's just like, anything. it's probably no different than duck hunting. You know, I, I suppose when, you know, I don't, I've done a handful of waterfowl, I've, you know, I've hunted with you guys a handful of times. I mean, what are, you know, you as a, as a primarily waterfowl, what are some of the similar simil- similarities, you know, between, you know, the waterfowl side and the predator side?
1: Yeah. You know, the two things that stand out to me, one is you're, you're trying to attract that animal to you, right? Like that's the same concept through sound and then visually, right? You're trying to attract that animal to you. Um, and so that's, that concept is, you're not just waiting for something to come per se. You're, you're out there trying to draw, you know, you see birds in the sky all the time. You're trying to draw those to you. Um, same with the coyote you're trying to do something that pulls them away from what they're currently doing and come to you um so i think that's that's one main similarity and then the the second one that and it's why i love waterfall hunting um and why i honestly really enjoy predator hunt too is you can do it in a group right like you can have two three hunters together um and hunt ducks and coyotes kind of that same way and almost like a group style um, and I think that's really neat and rewarding and, you know, socially it's fun. Like, yeah. it, it, that's a, a really cool aspect of coyote hunting to me. And that's one of the reasons I love duck hunting so much too. Like it's, you can do things together with people and, um, oh, the you know, camaraderie, I enjoy right? deer camaraderie, huge, huge yeah. piece. I enjoy deer hunting, sitting in a deer stand, but not to the extent I do duck hunting, um, or goose hunting and, um, predator hunting. Like it's just different.
0: Oh, that's an excellent point. I, You know, I, I feel the same way. I guess I've never really looked at it that way though, but it is very true. I mean, camaraderie, I mean, just sharing the experiences of the people, you know, to me and having those stories to go back on and, and, you know, you see that person down the road at any amount of time and you can start talking about that one hunt you guys had and the stories and you always have that in common now. And um, yeah, I'm the same way, man. I just, everybody asked me, do I ever go hunting by myself? And I'm like, no, I just don't ever go hunting by myself. You know, just, uh, it's, it's more important to me to take guys out and whether I'm showing new guys or experience with, you know, old friends, you know, that's, that's a huge part of it. Yep. Absolutely. So do you, do you remember your very first coyote you killed? I'm assuming it was re- with Rick. Did you, did you get to shotgun one? Or do, it you was with re- Rick? do you even remember your very first coyote? It's been so long ago. come on everybody on here i always ask them if they remember their very first coyote you know they got to tell the story of their very first coyote they killed
1: it was with rick and it was in kansas
0: um and
1: it was it was with a shotgun at about 10 yards like it was super cool like i thought whoa this is awesome (laughs) that that coyote came in just on a rope right and we had i don't even remember which call it was that was out there um it might have been the screaming joker sitting out there or it was a first version i had to be the screaming screaming joker um and that sucker just came right up to it and i'm sitting there thinking is this really gonna happen and sure <laughs> enough it did and rolled them out about 10 yards and that was, that was just a really cool really cool uh, memory
0: oh heck yeah man anytime they're that close no matter how many you've killed man it's that is super exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And most people, right, like they, the general hunter thinks of coyotes as, you know, and they are very wary animals and, you know, chance of getting close to a coyote is, you know, doesn't happen very often. And then the, you tell a story like that and people are like, really? Like it was that close? And like, yeah, like super cool.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to back up a little back to your comparison of waterfowl hunting and, and coyote hunting. I was, I was picturing this in my head. What if ducks and geese could smell like coyotes? How, how, (laughs) that'd be, that'd be a little tricky, wouldn't it? Cause you're always, they're always coming when they're coming into your spread, they're always using, they're always downwind kind of working into the wind coming in. Right. I mean, that's just the way they land, Correct. Yep. So they would always be downwind of where you'd have to really have to manipulate the spread. Almost like we use an e-call to get, you know, get out in front of us to keep that, you know, imaginary scent trail out in front of us. Kind of what I talk about, you know, you'd have to, it'd be a that'd be a challenge
1: wouldn't it you'd be uh, <laughs> shooting them in their rear ends a lot and yeah it'd be very it'd be really different than what it is like today um, but we'd probably need uh need to have shots kind of like how good of a shooter you are um and if people don't know like jeff right like one of the best probably the best long-range shooter i've ever been around but you take a guy that's a really good with a rifle at long ranges and kind of just his skill set shooting. And we've had Jeff hunt with us a couple times on the waterfall side. And my gosh, he's shooting ducks and geese at you know 60, 70 yards, and we're all looking. Are
0: you serious? <laughs> so I'm, if they I'm, could hey, stop, I'm not we'd afraid really to pull the trigger, cover. man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, I got to tell the story though, the one, the one water, cause nobody, all these people that are following me on the coyote stuff, they probably never even saw that episode of the grind waterfowl when, when you guys, when I hunted with you and I yep. killed two geese in one shot, that was like the highlight of my waterfowl career. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it was where, you know, the, you guys were nice enough to let me shoot first, you know, and the geese had just lined up perfect out in front of us, you know, landing from they were coming in from right to left all strung out there and it just two of them lined up just perfect but as a as a predator hunter i had to make sure all you all you waterfowl hunters knew that you know that i got two in one shot you did (laughs) but and
1: and that was amazing but i think that was the same time like you showed up at like
0: you know (laughs) you
1: know five minutes before shooting light and just kind of walked in the blind i'm
0: like oh we got to put out decoys i didn't know we had to be here this (laughs) early. (laughs) <laughs> that's a guy that knows just enough about waterfowl hunting to show up at the right time. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh. So, so early on, so, you know, you talked about the progression, you kind of went from decoys, you kind of went, you know, you kind of started getting decoys that had some sound involved with them, um, but not considered a full blown, you know, e-call, you know, the the cat attack was kind of the first version of that. What was what was next after that? Is that when we when you started developing the revolution?
1: Yeah, then we we said okay, we've got to make like we've got to make a call it a real e call like let's make and knowing knowing Rick right like and you kind of alluded to it. Rick is always um, you know he's he's a little different right. He's he's got a little different edge to him and looks at things differently, which is one of his sure. greatest assets. Right, like definitely he's just
0: definitely
1: so. We're, we're like, we got to make a really good e-call and what would be some cool features that um, aren't in a traditional e-call. Um, and I, I remember we were, we were out there, I don't know if we were out there turkey hunting with him as we were brainstorming and we had a video, uh, we had a guy videoing with us um, and had his camera sitting there uh, in Rick's, Rick's little um, kind of his man cave area. Uh, living room and sitting on the ground and which rick points to it and he's like what if it could what if the call looked like kind of like a a camera a video camera like the old video cameras and and had a had a camera built into it as well as the speaker piece where we could record um you know record um uh, their hunt and an animal coming to the call, like, it'd be really neat. So that's kind of how that concept started. Of yeah, that that might make sense. Like GoPros were starting to become really popular then. Um, yeah. People were getting into videoing everything, right? This was like 2012 or 13, kind of time frame 2012 probably. And so we're like, okay, um let's let's see if we can actually do that. And then we're thinking about it too, and we're like, all right, you can have the call or the camera just point straight forward well you know coyotes are going to come or bobcats or whatever are going to come from variety of directions we'd have to be able to move that camera so you could you know point it in the direction you wanted it to to uh, record and then we started thinking more and i'm like that'd be actually really neat to be able to um move the sound right like the sound's gonna seem like it's moving and broadcasting that sound and which really hadn't been done before so it was like that could be that could be a really good feature as well for killing more coyotes and so that's kind of how the revolution began from the concept of it was let's let's build in some recording uh video recording so hunters can capture their um hunt and then let's move that sound around as well uh, and see, you know, let's get a prototype going and see what, what that does.
0: That's interesting to me, you know, because initially, you know, I would have thought that the, the, the movement of the call, being able to spin the call, you know, 360 degrees left, right, whatever you want to do. It's, it's interesting to me that initially your initial thought was to build that in to, to be able to move the camera and then kind of that, you know, developed into, wow, this could really be good too. You know, it's, it's kind of funny how that all kind of worked out that, that maybe if you didn't have the camera initially, would that even have been an idea, you know, that, you know, came about, you know, it's kind of cool how that all worked out. Yeah, for sure. You know, that camera thing was that, you know, we really tried for a lot, you know, for a couple of years trying to get some stuff and, you know, there was, there ended up being some pretty cool video clips coming from that call. My problem was I always forget to hit record when I was running it, you know, and coyotes got that close and you're just, you're freaking out because the coyotes not stopping. You're trying to get it, whatever, you know, that was always the hardest part for me. It was reach down on that remote and hit the dang record button, you know? (laughs) Yep.
1: Yep. For sure. And you know, the other way that we, you know, we had talked about using that record button too, or that video feature was, you know, you'd be able to record um, kind of the initial setup of your stand, right? Like here's stand one um and this is what i'm looking at the what the conditions were like like you'd be able to see all of that and kind of you know help remember that stand in your head right like it oh, was oh yeah
0: yeah like hit record just spin it 180 and kind of record everything out there
1: right exactly yeah. um but then you know since that time frame you think of how far um phones have come with their fo- with their camera and video recording capabilities um you know it's it's easy for people to do that now where that feature maybe isn't as, um, you know, it's not as yeah yeah it's not as popular prevalent. as it right as it would have been ten years ago.
0: You know the coolest the coolest kill shot I ever saw filmed on on a revolution was Craig Sandy up in Idaho. Um, He had this big oh, and I I'm gonna have to post it and I have a copy of it. It's cool. There showed up on uh, social media every now and then because this coyote is running st- straight at the call chest on, and just you know, that was kind of a, what a what a fisheye kind of lens. So it didn't, you know, it was anything out past maybe about 15, 20 yards. It was small, but then obviously as it got close, you know, you could see it really, really good. And this coyote is on a dead run right at the call. And Craig is off to the side, like almost at a 90 degree angle to where the call's pointed. And he shoots this coyote with a six, five Creedmoor. And it is the most amazing thing because he hits it perfect right behind the shoulder. And you see just I've never seen a coyote get shot from that angle. You know what I'm saying? Like when we're filming, when you're filming, you're always seeing the, coy- you're always seeing the coyote get shot from the, from the straight on angle where the bullet's impacting it, not from a yep. broadside angle. And when we slowed that down and you would see what, how much devastation there was that the body actually sucks outward, where the bullet impacts on the side, the bullet impacts, the body of the coyote actually inflates out on the one side, it's the weirdest thing and then as the bullet goes out the other side then it kind of just the the body kind of inflates out that side and the thing dies you know rolls up and just is laying there dead right in front of the call it was (laughs) it was pretty probably the only angle you're ever going to see unless you had maybe a gopro or something out there and happened to catch just perfect angle like that but that that was something to see that (laughs) super cool right (laughs) (laughs) um Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you about Onyx Hunt Maps. Now, if you followed this podcast for any amount of time, or specifically our Last Stand YouTube series, you've seen us use this mapping app on our phone a ton. And hopefully, we've shown you how it's how it benefits us as coyote hunters. Now, millions of hunters have already made this the number one hunting GPS app on the market. It's allowed them to find more game, discover new access, and just hunt smarter. Now, from a coyote hunting specific standpoint, it allows me to drop waypoints and save waypoints for specific stand locations. It allows me to shoot line distances from stand to stand to ensure that I've went the right distance in between stands that I want to go, and as well as just show land ownership, as far as private and public. So if you're in the market for a new mapping app that's going to help you hunt coyotes smarter, you can go to your app store on your phone or you can visit onxmaps.com. Now, back to the podcast. So, so early on, you know, what were some of the challenges that you guys faced when it came from you know, going from a waterfowl background to really now getting serious about the e market? Do you, you know, do you recall some of those early challenges? You're thinking, wow, you know, this is going to be a hurdle we got to try to overcome and try to figure this out? Was there, was there a few things like that? You know, it was, it it wasn't
1: as hard as maybe I initially thought it was going to be because, because of our experience in electronics. Um, However, you know, you're you're essentially building a mini computer um, inside this call that's going to be taken out in all different kinds of elements. Um, you know, remotes that are used with gloves in super freezing temperatures. Like there's a lot of, a lot that goes into that development and figuring out all the bugs um, and, and just, you know, we've got we the best and brightest predator people working on this, right? Like yourself and, and, and Rick and the development of some of this stuff. And it's those initial ones. I mean, yeah, you think you've got everything figured out. Um, and then you get a few samples and you're like oh yeah needed to do this or needed to do that so um, I think just the complexity when you think when you know we added a decoy element to it right like a motorized decoy like have everything in one a camera so you got a video camera going on you got a motorized decoy going on you got a um, audio system going on you got remote uh, remote pieces um, at play there remote controls uh, so there's a lot of different uh, technologies that you're trying to blend into one and that's probably the hardest piece of it all is doing each one of those individually is you know not that difficult but putting them all together there there's a lot that goes into it
0: yeah and you hit it on the head you know that's what I tell people you know I try to explain to people that you know These are made to probably hold up to most anything, but ultimately it is a piece of electronic, you know, and like you said, (laughs) coyote hunters are rough on stuff, man. I mean, just dust and dirt and snow and rain and cold and, you know, just banging, you know, some guys just throw the e-call on the back of their pickup, you know, let it bounce around. Would you throw, you know, I always explained to him, would you throw a laptop and just let it bounce around in the back of your truck? You know, I mean, you know, it's the same kind of concept that, you know, you got to kind of. Treat them somewhat okay, you know that uh, they're not made to, you know, withstand huge amounts of abuse. But that's uh, that's always the challenge that I think too is trying to, you know, explain to people that you know this isn't a, uh, you know, solid piece of metal. You know, there's electronic components and plastic and and some other things in there that that do break and do, you know, go bad every now and then if you don't, uh, you know, treat it the way it should be treated.
1: Yeah, it's it's so true. It literally is a blend of. All these electronics, that it's like a. Um, I mean, it is a computer. It is like it is a laptop. It's a cell. Phone. It's almost like a cell phone, right? Like, and then on top of that, there's other things going on with it, and so you do have to treat them with, um, you know, not with kid gloves, but I mean, you gotta, you, you have to take care of. It, yep. Put it that way.
0: <laughs> well, if anything, it's a it's a good investment. I mean, you're spending two, three, four, five hundred bucks. You know, so yeah, I would think you know, I'd, ah, just take care of it, you know, and and uh, you know, be careful with it. Yep, absolutely, investment. So, so through through that, um, you know, any other challenges like, you know, just in the development of e calls in general, is there, um, you know, just somebody that doesn't really have a, you know, any knowledge base on kind of how this all works, any other challenges that you can think of that, you know, just in e calls in general, in through the development process.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot. Um, that goes into the, at least on our calls, we try to make it uh, super simple to swap sounds on and off. So it's a really easy process for anybody just using a standard SD card so you don't have cables and, and all that. But, um, you know, these the, the different uh, computer systems, right, like Windows and Macs and Dell, all that stuff um, plays a part in, um, into how a call reads a sound and you know that's that is one area that um is a a challenging area because the computer programs are always updating right um and so and people are getting new computers newer technologies every year uh so you know just staying up on that technology change all the time it's just something you got to stay on top of uh so you can't just make a call and then never touch it again basically like you got to make a call and just like any other good product, keep improving that every year, um, but improve the software and the technologies behind it all um, that needs to stay updated too. Uh, so that, you know, that adds, um, you know, just an, another element to the whole process.
0: Um, so real quick to sort of clarify for that listeners that maybe are not familiar with Lucky Duck Call. So all, all the sounds are stored on an SD card in the back of the call. It's just a simple SD card like you you know pop in the side of your laptop one you can buy at Walmart for you know 8 10 bucks you know so so what you're referring to as far as using Macs and PCs when when somebody takes that SD card out and pops it inside of their computer or their laptop to so you can actually manipulate those sounds you can change folder names you can move sounds around you can add sounds to it and then when you put it back in your call the call automatically updates and and loads it up for you but you're saying sometimes if, if whether they're using a Mac or a PC, that could that could affect that sometimes.
1: Correct. And what version of that would be, you know, what version of a, a Mac um, operating system is running and same with the Windows operating system, which versions um, and just making sure that's all compatible. Um, that's just something we always got to stay stay on top of um, to the best that we can, because there's changes going on all the time with those companies.
0: One thing I had a question on when, when it comes to speakers and amps, is there like a mill? I mean, is there like a million types of speakers and amps out there? And it just, is a, is it a testing process to figure out, you know, the size and you know how exactly you want to go about getting the right speaker, obviously for clarity and volume and everything when it comes to these calls?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, everybody thinks loudest is best. Um, and that's kind of just the i think the general thought is i just want the loudest call out there which there's like good loud and bad loud right like yeah yeah there's one area we really try to focus on is having a really loud call um, that is ultra clear right like clarity uh, and that you know sound recording's go into that but also the hardware that you're using and the how the um, which speakers you use, um, the amplifier you're using, like all that, uh, plays a part in how that sound is produced. And so, <clears throat> the one thing that you just really, as you're looking for calls to purchase, <clears throat> is make sure you're getting a call that is loud but clear. Right, like that. The clarity is so critical. If you get something yeah. that's super loud but doesn't have, but is you know, is has a lot of static behind it that's not good
0: yeah you're um, crackling you know a lot of people explain it as that like once you start you know raising it up to the upper end of the volume spectrum you know you'll get this crackling in the sound you know
1: yeah and and the, the other piece that's interesting too is that the type of speaker you're using um and you know we use those horn style speakers um as the main speaker unit because it shoots that it's directional um meaning that it's 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 going basically the direction the speaker is pointing mm-hmm. but it travels a long ways in that direction um so you you know a coyote or bobcat or whatever maybe you can hear that a long ways away there's some speakers that uh, are loud right up front like you know a couple feet in front of you but the sound is kind of spread out And so the further you move away from that call or that speaker, it becomes harder to hear quicker because the sound is just spread out and isn't directionally pointed where it's, you know, almost like a beam of light, right?
0: It's more like a shotgun blast going out there and the pellets are just spreading out versus like you said, maybe a rifle shot where it's staying on a, you know, focused path going out there farther. Correct.
1: Correct. And that's the one. Huge advantage to our calls. I truly believe, um, at least the ones that rotate, is you can move that sound around and you can reach. It's you know it's directional a long ways, but you can move it on that rotating base and reach areas that um, traditional calls won't reach.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, you saw how I kind of explained that. You know, when we we're at that Shields event, uh, talking to those Shields employees, you know. I picture this, you know, there are other calls, I think, out there on the market that have the same kind of horn speakers, wouldn't you agree? Yes. So, but they don't rotate, you know, so I I picture, I I tell people this, you know, when you sit up on a coyote stand, you essentially have 180 degrees, a half circle around you of of area where you're hoping that the coyotes are going to come from, meaning you haven't drove through that, you haven't walked through it, your wind isn't blowing out through it. That's just basically 180 degrees of untouched ground where hopefully there's a coyote, well, you have to pick, you know, a traditional method, you'd have to walk that call out there and point it in one of those directions somewhere out in that 180, correct? And and, you know, like you said, the sound comes out of that and I picture it probably more of the shape of like a diamond maybe. I mean, there is sound that comes off to the sides, you know, and you can even hear the call if it's facing directly away from you. But where you like you said where the the massive amount of volume goes is straight to where that speaker's pointing. So I picture, you know, draw a 180 degree circle on, on a piece of paper and then draw a diamond right in the middle of it. Well, how much of that 180 does that diamond not cover? You know, a lot, you know, there's a lot to the left, a lot to the right of that, but being able to spin that, then that point of that diamond touches that entire arc of that 180 degrees. So therefore you're scanning that sound, you know, to every possible inch of that 180 where hopefully, you know, you're going to lay it on a, on the ears of a coyote.
1: Yep. Absolutely. That's a great way to look at it.
0: Now you also add, you also add a, a tweeter speaker, like on, you know, on the revolt was the first one to come out, you know, after we, you know, you kind of, you know, discontinued the revolution, um, you know, uh, the the, revol- the revolt was the next one that came out and you added a tweeter speaker. What were some of the, the research you guys did behind that to say, okay, this is something we want to, we want to add to these.
1: Yeah, it was, it's really for those higher frequency sounds, um, making sure that that sound comes out. And, and is produced at how it you know, how it should sound, um, and so that that's the point of that that um, tweeter speaker is just those higher frequency sounds, uh, making sure those are um, being being produced the right way. Um, those are, that tweeter speaker isn't a long range blasting speaker by any means, um, but it it allows those type of sounds to sound real, right? Sound like yeah, they should yeah.
0: sound. Yeah, you know, I remember seeing um, – there was a guy I hunted with a long time ago, and this is bu- this is before Lucky Duck had e-calls, and uh, he had a Foxbro call. And he actually had – he went down – he must have went down to Radio Shack or something, and he ma- he had mounted a little – he had bought him a little tweeter speaker somehow. And I remember him – he had it, like, jerry-rigged up on the speaker, you know? And I, that was the first time I'd ever understood that and thought, wow, that may – you know, and he, and he had believed that that was a big – you know, part of it that having just the normal sound that comes out of a big speaker doesn't quite hit those higher frequencies and having that, you know, built in little frequent higher frequency tweeter speaker was, was pretty important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree with him. Mm.
0: So now, so now we we're evolving, you know, so right now let's the the line of, line of calls we have, you know, you have, you know, the rebel call, you know, kind of an entry level call, Um, you know, what, what is the price range on that, that rebel?
1: Yeah, so that's, in, that's around the 160, 170 range right now. 60 range,
0: you know, and it comes in, in that one, just, you know, I'd, let's just go through these and kind of give everybody an idea of what, what Lucky Duck offers. Um, you know, the Rebel Call, you know, it has a, a remote that has 12 basically thick sounds on it. So you just actually push the button. If you want to play Jackrabbit, all you do is push the button that says Jackrabbit. So you don't have to scroll through, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of sounds. It's It's a pretty basic remote maybe somebody that wants it, but's maybe afraid of the technology, you know, essentially, um, but really simple to use. But the cool part about it is it actually has built-in decoy, which is probably unheard of at that price range, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's a, that's a great entry-level, um, e caller guy that's, you know, just hunting a couple times a year, um, or, or is, you know, even like you said, doesn't want the technology piece of it. And, um, you know, we put good sounds on there. There's Those 12 sounds are on the other calls too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I I look at that and like I use about 10 or 12 calls probably 90% of the time. And most of those calls I use are on that, you know, so it was pretty good. If Rick picked them, he picked them pretty good. Yep. (laughs) And then so so that one just runs off of four AA batteries, correct?
1: Yeah, that's got uh, a four AA battery pack in it. Um, So it's super... Right, it's actually not a four double A. It's a ten double A battery pack. Um, they all so that's one thing that's super important too to to think about is the number of batteries equals like the voltage, right? Power, the yeah. Power, the power that's power that the coming out of it, and that's why we have that ten double A battery packs the same battery pack that's in you know the next level called the Riot. Like it, it gets it loud, um, and so even at the entry level with the Rebel. It, it runs on 10 double A's and that produces the volume, um, that is, you know, can be heard a long ways away.
0: Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's important to, to research that and see, you know, when you're looking at calls, you're trying to compare apples to apples, you know, in price ranges and, and things like that. So the next step up, we, we just, you just mentioned it, the riot that's in with the mid two hundreds, upper two hundreds, somewhere in there. Yep.
1: That's 260 270 somewhere in there
0: you know and it's essentially the same housing as the riot it has the built-in decoy um but it actually comes now with the with the next level up remote um which is a digital screen on it and it comes with 50 sounds correct
1: yeah that's got 50 sounds same 10 AA battery pack
0: 10 you know and uh, man i'll tell you what for that price range i i talked to a lot of guys i mean to me if you were if you were the type of guy that you know, does a lot of waterfowl hunting, does deer hunting, but you know what, you're going to try to get into coyote hunting and you're maybe going to do it three or four times a winter is all. To me, this is, this is the call I would look at. Um, You know, it has the volume, it has the built-in decoy and you're getting, you know, 50 sounds with upgraded remote. To me, that's just, it's just a man for that, for that amount of money, man, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck.
1: Yeah. And then the great thing is too, as you grow as a predator hunter, you can add, more lucky duck sounds to it or other mp3 sounds like you can add new sounds in the future because it's got that capability the rebel you can't change the sounds on it that there's those 12 sounds is what comes on it that's it but the riot you know you can put up two thousand sounds on there 32 different folders like you can expand your sound so it
0: has that yeah that's the where you start with sd card built into there that you can pop out and add add stuff like we talked about yep and then kind of the flagship call is next i think probably the revolt would you agree? Yeah, that's the, been our
1: most, most popular, kind of feature-rich, um, really, really put us, you know, put Lucky Duck e-calls
0: on the map, I think. I agree. I agree, you know, because now you're going up to – this is probably up in the mid-fours now.
1: Yeah, 450. Probably.
0: Yep, yep. But now you're getting that – the big speaker we just got done talking about, you're getting that. So you're getting max volume, max clarity. You're getting the built-in tweeter speaker. And now probably the biggest thing that's, that's worth the money is the revolving feature. You know what we talked about. You know this is where you start to see that uh, being able to spin that call and and uh, you know built-in decoy like the rest of them. Um, and then this one comes with the same remote as the Riot, but it has a hundred sounds, correct? Correct. So yeah, that one that's one of those. If you're if you're wanting to maybe get serious about coyote hunting, or or maybe you hunt in an area where you need the volume. You know you're maybe some of the western states where you deal with a lot of wind and things like that. Definitely worth that extra money to have that volume when you need it. I think.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why that's the most popular call is it's it's like your do it all call, right? Like for has all the features in it um, and you can do you can do anything with it. You can any kind of coyote you want to do with it, you know, snow goose hunting, um, whatever it may be. Like that's the best all around calls call that we have that reaches a long range at that price point.
0: So that was so that was what year did the revolt come out? Do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, it
1: launched in uh, 2017. 2017.
0: So then so then a couple of years later, we saw the need. Um, you know, when you start looking at feedback you're getting from guys, you know, there are some predator hunters that don't want all the bells and whistles, right? I mean, they just, they want the sounds, they want the clarity and the volume of the call, and that's really all they want. And, you know, they started talking about maybe maybe wanting some sort of upgraded remote at the time. Is that kind of how the, the roughneck came about?
1: Yeah. And with the advancement and uh, night hunting too. Um,
0: very true. That was very true.
1: Simpler, um, but has that high volume, easier remote to use at night. Um, that, that was the driving factor, uh, behind the roughneck, which we came out with in 2019.
0: And that's what I tell people. A lot of people ask me, you know, do I go with a revolt or i go with a roughneck? And the first thing I ask him, do you day hunt more or do you night hunt more? You know, and that's usually the determining factor. If if you night hunt more, I think you'll probably like the Roughneck a little bit better, just because of the remote has the has the ability to dim down quite a bit more. There are night modes on the the Revolt remote, but it only gives you one setting, you know, of brightness. Where when you get into that, you know, that upgraded remote, you know, now you can what, what's that like ten dimness settings on it, so you can get it, you know, way down. Um, exactly you know and it's got it's got bigger buttons so if you're hunting at night and it's colder and you're using gloves you know you can maneuver that a little bit and then it's like you said it's just a basic it's just a basic call with the tweeter and you know you can hang it underneath your tripod if you're hunting you know if you're thermal hunting off a a tripod uh, set it on the hood of a truck if you're on a high rack down in texas you know or wherever it is um, you know pretty effective call for that
1: yep and we actually on that one too, you know, we took, went up a step to 150 sounds, right? Like, so as you see, as you progress with some of these calls and these price points, you're getting more sounds on them, which those sounds have a, you know, a really high value to them because they're the best sounds, as far as I'm concerned, best sounds there are in the industry.
0: Oh, hands down. And then also you took the call and you you added a rubber overmold to it, which I really like, you know, we talked about hunters being hard on things, you know, and beating calls up and stuff. You know, I think that rubber overmold that's on the remote and the call, man, that's going to save your call. You know, you happen to drop it, you know, beat it up against something. You know, that's one of the features I really like. Yep. And what's the price point? That price point, uh, upper fives? Yeah, 550 550 for that one. So, so then, you know, a lot of people, you know, at this point, that was 2019. So now you got a lot of people that really like the Revolt, but they really like the new remote with the Roughneck. And you start getting a lot of feedback, I'm guessing about, Hey, you know, how can I get that remote on the revolt? I mean, that was probably the driving force to the, to the new super revolt.
1: Absolutely. You know, the guys that are really into it, they always want, um, they always want a battery pack, lithium battery pack. They want the, you know, uh, that better remote per se, right. Easier to read, easier to use. Um, And, you know, the other piece was having a, a bigger tripod, and so we said, okay, well, how are we going to, let's take all that and just put it into one package and say, instead of buying stuff separately, you know, battery packs separately, um, having to go out and buy another a different tripod, like let's just put it all into one, one premium package. Yeah. Uh, and so and that's how the super revolt came to be is, you know, it's got the updated remote with it. It's got a new tripod. Um, still has that, you know, that rubber over molding on it. Uh comes with, you know, 2 200 sounds now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on on top of that, we throw in the lithium ion rechargeable battery pack. So, guys, have it's a complete setup. You don't have to buy anything. When you when that shows up at your door, you've got the best call that we make and I think the best call on the market.
0: Well, and not to mention the the new added feature of playing two sounds at once. Yep,
1: that was and that was you're right. That was another piece of feedback we we had from people um you know they really wanted that option uh in our call lineup which we did not have um and that actually is a it's a little bit of a tricky deal in the technology behind it um the programming behind it so uh, that that is a another feature that's in the super revolt that took a little time to develop
0: yeah well you know there's a sound rick has a sound called coyote Fight. you know and it's, it's one of my go-to sounds. Uh, it's not a secret sound by any means. A lot of guys use it, but it's effective on coyotes. And what people don't understand is that's not actually a coyote and a raccoon fighting. You know, that is essentially a, a coyote fight sound and a raccoon fight sound that are that are mixed on an audio mixer on Rick's computer, right? So he's essentially just taking one sound and playing it with another sound. Well, that's what I tell people right now is, you know, with all the the crazy amount of fight sounds and pup distresses and coyote vocals that you have on there – your imagination is the limit now. I mean, if you truly think you want to, if you're in an area where coyotes are pressured and you think, man, I just got to try to find some different sounds because these coyotes have heard it all. Here's your chance, man. I mean, you can now, you can pick whatever you want and play two sounds at once and start mixing and trying to find some secret concoction of sounds. Um, I spent quite a bit of time later this winter trying to find some, you know, but um, it's, it's really unique to be able to play two sounds over the top of each other and, and just hear different, different combinations yeah
1: you're right like it is it it allows the hunter to customize what they want to play right and we're in an age of people wanting to customize things themselves um and you can do that with with the call that plays two sounds at once like your your options are limitless
0: yeah like i I experiment a little bit with like some vocals like you know i i would have a maybe a, a a, two different coyote howls going at the same time, almost like they're answering each other, you know? Uh, a coyote serenade going on sound one and maybe one of the breeding sounds like sniff it or breeding battle kind of just adds some or some realism, you know? Maybe even a pup distress like schoolyard brawl and adding a, a breeding sound like sniff it to it, which is just, a it's kind of hard to explain the sound sniff it if you've never heard it. It's, um, you know, more little yelping and just weird breeding sounds that you probably never heard of before from a coyote. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time early season. But I think, you know, early on, you know, using a prey distress sound of some kind, you know, mixing in some some pup distress. The cool part about it, what I really like is you can independently control each sound. So, um, you know, I can have sound one going for per se, like rabbit distress. And then I can go over to schoolyard brawl, which is a pup distress. And I can let schoolyard brawl maybe only go for maybe two or three seconds and then pause schoolyard brawl while the rabbit's still continually going. Just just one more, like you said, a, a different way to kind of throw some sounds out there and possibly, you know, throw some stuff at coyotes that, that they haven't heard, maybe get a different trigger out of a coyote, you know, by doing so. Yep, absolutely. And and so now the, the Super Revolt, it's run 700, if I'm correct. Yeah. 750. 750. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, though, you take, you know, I'm going to back up about that lithium ion battery pack. You know, this is one thing I recommend to everybody, um, you know, just the technology of lithium and and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. The pack's a hundred dollars, but by the time you're running through double A's, you know, every time you go out hunting, you know, 10 of them, you know, and you might run through, if you're hunting hard for a day, you're probably going to burn up a whole battery pack of 10 double A's, I would guess you know, so by the time you do that, you know, how long is it going to take you to recoup your money on a hundred dollar battery pack? Not very long. Right. And, yep. you know, just the added, you know, is there some specs that added, do you get added power or at, I mean, what is the main advantage to lithium over just your standard alkaline? Yeah. It's
1: the, it's not added power. It's the consistency of the power, right? Like the uh, alkalines are fully loaded, right. When they're new. Yeah. And then they, the power coming out of them just drains as it goes down right and it it goes uh, you know kind of a um, almost oh, like, like a, a straight line going down
0: yeah like a <clears> 45 <throat> degree angle on a triangle just steadily going down till it's all the way out
1: correct where and so your voltage is starting to go down then the sound quality goes down where on a lithium that voltage stays the same for as long as the battery pack has power that's the
0: that's so it's like a night so it so it's going straight across and then all of a sudden it's just like a ninety straight down and it's dead. It's not a, It's not an art. Oh, that's interesting. Correct. I didn't know that. It's so Like that. you
1: think of your uh, like your your um, drills you have at home, you know your power drills, right? Um, and you got a lithium battery pack in there, you can use that drill um, full bore until that all of a sudden it just quits on you. And it's the same concept uh, with the lithium battery pack and the collars.
0: Nice, nice. And another cool thing I really like is the wall charger. You know, I mean, if you're putting, you know, those calls all come with what we call a bird cage, which is the, you know, the little battery cage that holds the 10 double A's and it's got a little connector in there. You know, if you do buy the lithium battery pack, the connector just connects right into it. You know, you put it in your call and you don't have to worry about taking that, you know, out of the call every time, you know, it like we talked about it is electronics. There are little small wires and things in there. And if you're constantly tugging on them and pulling them and, and, you know, the stuff has a tendency to want to break on you. But when you when you have this lithium pack in there, I mean, I run these on all mine. Obviously, you know, all I do is just open up the back of the call and plug the wall charger in. I don't have to pull the batteries out at all, ever. Um, and the wall charger indicator lets me know when the when the batteries are full and unplug it, and off I go. You know, save you some headache down the road for sure of having wires break and things like that.
1: Yeah, super easy.
0: So uh, another question I get to on this line of calls is you know, in a way I explained it is no one of these calls was designed to replace the other call. Correct. I mean, this is just, now it's just development of a, of a whole line of e-calls, correct. That, so now we're giving consumers more options, um, you know, at various price points, correct.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's each one of these calls has its place, um, you know, with a, with a predator hunter and, uh, and how much somebody is predator hunting, right? Like it's, they all have their own spot and, um, some guys, you know, it's just a matter of how many features you prefer and how often you're hunting. Yep.
0: That's, that's something to, yeah, that's, this is what you got to have as a, I feel it's important as a, a company like Lucky Duck, you know, in the predator world, you know, giving people options, man, people like options.
1: And we try to give them the, you know, the best options, you know, at the best value, right? Like, for this set of features we want to give that that honor that's going to buy that call at that price point like that's the best we can possibly give them at that price point
0: yep heck yeah now last thing about this whole process you know you talked about obviously you know there was about a 2 year period in between releasing going from maybe the revolt to releasing the the roughneck then to releasing the super revolt i mean is that the typical time frame you know really to to really put in the time and investment needed to, to put out a new product. Is that a typical timeline? I mean, is that really 18 months to two years? Is that kind of a, a timeline you go off of when, when developing new products and things like that?
1: Yeah. It, I think when, when you're using similar features, um, two years is probably a pretty good uh, gauge um, as you, you know, develop um, new features and, and maybe a, a more significant change in products. Um, that's where it, it's longer than that. It would, I'd say, a minimum of three years um, that you're looking at. So uh, it, it's a long process. There's a lot of time and resources that go into it. Um, you know, stuff we're working on now is for you know two to three years out from today. Um, so it's there's a constant R and D process, and you you know you, you have to stay on top of that, and that never ends, right? Like that's the oh yeah. We never want to be complacent. I don't care if it's uh, predator calls, if it's uh, waterfowl hunting products, any product Lucky Duck sells, we do not want to be complacent. Um, and so we're looking, we're always looking at the future Future of, you know, what's the next best thing we can make and and that will benefit the hunter.
0: Speaking of the future, what uh, where do you see future e-calls going over the next, you know, four, five, six, ten 10 years even?
1: Yeah, I think there's some, there's some things in, um, the frequency of sounds and, um, how good speakers can get at, you know, an affordable price point and, um, that piece, uh, the technology in speakers, I think is evolving constantly and how that relates into predator hunting. Um, I also think the sound technology, like the one thing I've learned, since we started doing this, that's really um, it surprised me. I guess is the right word is how, and it seems obvious, but like how important sounds are, and the right sounds, and not just having a variety of sounds, but being very detailed in the sounds that you put out in the recording of them, in the um, the, uh, the technology of the sound, but then in the um you know what that specific sound is supposed to do or or imitate right and why we want to have that in the sound library like there's a true art to it um and so i think that'll continue to evolve um uh, the whole sound technology uh those are you know those are that's where i think a lot of the um, um development will will end up going
0: So essentially, I, you know, I pictured this, you know, it's like any bit of technology. I mean, I think we'll see the same sort of power and, you know, high end calls, but in probably smaller packages eventually, you know, like instead of having a a five or six pound, you know, e-call, you know, you can almost do the same thing and maybe a three and a half or four pound. I mean, is that something that's probably going to happen down the road that, you know, or is that something or speakers, are these speakers probably always going to have to be this size? to put out that amount of power and and volume and things that you want.
1: Yeah. I think where you're going to see the difference, um, is in the, in the battery piece of it all, like batteries are getting, um, you know, smaller for the same amount of power per se. Right. Like, so, and a lot of times power will equal uh, the, the amount of power in a battery a voltage in a battery will equal, um, how loud something can get. And so, just say our current calls at the same size they are right now. I think you're going to be able to get higher voltage batteries in us in the same size as our current voltage battery, right? Like so, you're yeah, going to yeah. be able to produce more sound and more louder sound, more powerful sound by using a bigger battery that ends up being the same size as a current battery.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: And to your point, you can make. The twelve volt lithium batteries today can get smaller with the same capacity um, in the future, and so if you're happy with the that sound output or the volume output today, you can have that package in a um, smaller call
0: for sure. And I suppose too, some of the you got to kind of be careful. I suppose there's a fine line between trying to push the envelope to come up with something new and just have something that's more gimmicky as opposed to something that's actually really functional. Is that, kind yeah, of the, a, is that the fine line you're, you're, you're walking when, when you're looking at developing new products and, and new features on calls?
1: Abs- absolutely. That's one thing we're completely focused on here is whatever we make has to work for the hunter. Like it needs to call in an animal, a coyote, bring in a duck, whatever it may be, like it needs to work uh, for the hunter. Um, And help the hunter be successful, right? And so, gimmicks, you know, if there's, there are features you add that are nice features, but they need to have a purpose, right? We don't just want to add a feature just to add a feature. That that's not how we operate.
0: Yeah, that's important, and that's one thing, you know, through my relationship with with you and Lucky Duck, you know, through the, I guess, consulting stuff, you know, of of ideas and sharing ideas on what we want to see. Um, That's what I've enjoyed, you know, working with you guys is that you guys have always listened to you know, guys that do this a lot and say, okay, now that's, this is what we really, this is me as a guy that hunts coyotes 60, 70 days a year, I would use that feature, you know, um, not just, ah, that I would never use that, you know, kind of a deal. And that's one thing I think that you guys have done a phenomenal job of with, the with the line of calls is, is putting, putting features and, and things on these calls that, that true killers use, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I,
1: I appreciate that comment because it is true. Like, we have a great team here at Lucky Duck and team being employees plus um, consultants, whatever you want to call it. Our our predator team, and especially yourself and Rick and you know Dust and TR and some of those guys, like you guys, provide us invaluable feedback because the reality is. You know, hunting season, we're running a business and we need people that are using the product. I'd love to be hunting Kyle, 70 days a year, but I just, <laughs> I can't.
0: I don't know, I Tim. I don't know if you really want to be doing that. You know, it's pretty hard uh,
1: work. There, there might be some truth to that, but um, <laughs> having people like yourself um, and others in the, that are hunting, that are true killers that are hunting a lot, not just a few times a year, but are hunting a lot and know this stuff inside and out the features of it all and how it works. Like that feedback from you guys is invaluable, and I think that's what um, you know separates us from other companies. And there's there are other companies that do that well too. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of really good companies in the in the Predator world. I'm happy to be a part of the Predator world with those other businesses, and the same in the Waterfall world and, and other worlds we're in. Um, so you know, consumers are lucky from that standpoint. But I just know our sure. team. I, I I love our team that we have, and the feedback you guys give us is great.
0: Now, if uh, a, a consumer out there, you know, has some lucky duck calls, a call has any questions, um, has some feedback, maybe for lucky duck, what's what's the easiest way for them to to reach out to you guys?
1: Yeah, you know, we all we try and pride ourselves in customer service, um, and that customer service email address is always um, open. So feel free to send us an email. Um, someone's looking at it. You know, Tori's looking at every email that comes in. Um, so we're more than happy to get feedback that way, you know, socially, uh, we have, um, obviously have a team, um, on the social piece of it too, that you can reach us through comments, um, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so we're, we're around. And then, you know, the, the last stand video series that, uh, you and Jeff host, uh, on YouTube, on Lucky Ducks YouTube channel, there's always comments and questions in that, uh, feed, um, under different videos, and you know that's another great piece. People read those. There's someone oh, for physically sure. reading those, and we'll we'll respond. I oh, know Jeff, you re- you respond yeah, on that yeah. I, tr-
0: I try to get on there every you know after every episode. After there's some, you know, hundred comments or so, I'll get on there and try to answer everybody. You know, and specifically, you know, coyote stuff that maybe, you know, some of the lucky duck people that aren't you know coyote hunters can't quite answer. You know, so it's
1: it's important to me. We're you know we're a family-owned business, um, and we. You know, we, customer service and our, our customers is what, you know, allows us to have a business and it's, it's important that we're interacting. And I, I, our team is always talking about how do we interact more and make that channel easier of communication. So, um, if you do need anything, please, you know, reach out to us. We'll, we'll do our best to respond and help you with anything we can.
0: And, and all the products, what are backed by one year warranty? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, you run into an issue here and there you know, like I said, nobody knows if you don't reach out, you know, so, um, you know, we'd like, like you probably would say, you'd rather have somebody reach out and get the problem fixed as opposed to them just throwing it in the closet, not ever using it and telling everybody, uh, broke on me in the first, you know, two weeks. Cause obviously that's not the norm, you know, and you guys want to be able to, you know, fix it and, and make it right. So. Absolutely. And, you know,
1: electronic products, things happen, electronics and elements, you know, whether it's on purpose or not, things just happen. Like, and so reach out to us. We're here to help. Uh, we'll do everything we can to, um, to help our customers.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tim, man, I appreciate your time, man. That's I, heck. I, I knew a lot about lucky duck, but I even learned a bunch today. That was kind of cool. Um, so hopefully everybody else listening kind of has a good idea of just, you know, the history of lucky duck, how, how these e-calls have been developed over the years, you know, kind of how all these relationships were built and, uh, you know, maybe what they have to look forward to in the future. So Really appreciate. it. I know you're a busy man, so thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it.
0: Before we get off here, I want to take a quick minute to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Um, obviously, like I mentioned before, you guys made this the number one predator hunting podcast um, on the marker right now. So huge thanks to you guys for listening. Um, I do appreciate your feedback too. So if you're if you have any comments on these podcasts, you have any uh, you know comments on maybe what you'd like to hear in the future, you know you can reach out to me through my website, which is CoyoteCraze.com. Um, or maybe the easier option is through Instagram, which is just at Jeff Nimnick. You can just search i F F. I'll be probably one of the first ones that come up. You can shoot me some messages there, but, uh, would love to hear your feedback there and any ideas that you have for a future podcast. Cause our plan is to, to be bringing you these every couple of weeks, uh, all year long, but, uh, obviously we can't do this without our sponsors. So I need to thank them. Lucky duck predator calls, swagger, bipods, six hour optics, Onyx hunt, Cryptech, Hornady, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and as well as Eastman's, as always, for putting this all together and bringing you guys uh, this, this great podcast. So until next time, thanks for listening. We'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.